Welcome to the TBE Richmond Podcast. I'm Rabbi Michael Knopf. On this feed, you'll hear sermons, teachings, music, conversations with guests, and so much more from us here at Temple Bethel in Richmond, Virginia. Thanks for learning and growing with us. I didn't grow up in a Sabbath-observant home. The first time I encountered traditional Shabbat observance was during my first summer at Camp Ramah in New England when I was about 11 years old. And if I'm being totally honest, I didn't care all that much for it. What especially irked me about Shabbat in those early experiences was what Jewish tradition calls the fences around the law. Activities that, while technically permitted on Shabbat, are nevertheless considered off-limits either because they might lead one to inadvertently violate a biblical prohibition or because they're against the spirit or essence of the Sabbath. For example, I I remember that during my first summer, the last day of camp was a Sunday. And I, ever the procrastinator, neglected to pack my bags before sundown on Friday. But I thought nothing of it because I figured I could just pack them up on Saturday afternoon since there were no structured activities anyway. But when my counselor came into the bunk and saw me shoving dirty laundry into my duffel, he made me stop. Apparently, it was forbidden to prepare on Shabbat for something that takes place after Shabbat, even if the activity itself would otherwise be permitted on Shabbat. Why? Because preparing for something after Shabbat violates the spirit of the day as a day apart, sacred time, separate from the days that precede it and distinct from the week that will follow it. In other words, Shabbat is supposed to be its own thing. Shabbat exists for the sake of Shabbat itself. That concept is central to the story found toward the end of Parashat Shlach Lecha. After the portion's main narrative, which centers on the ill-fated mission to reconnoitre the Promised Land, the Torah turns to a lesser-known and somewhat strange story. A man was discovered gathering wood on Shabbat. The Israelites are unsure what to do with him, and even Moses and Aaron are baffled. Kilo foresh mayasello, for it had not been specified what should be done to him. Presumably, the man was gathering wood for the purposes of kindling a fire. And the Torah specifically forbids making a fire on Shabbat. However, while it may be necessary to gather wood in order to make a fire, the act in and of itself is purely preparatory. Is it forbidden merely to prepare to do something that is forbidden on Shabbat, even even before performing the prohibited act itself? What if the wood gatherer doesn't even intend to make a fire on Shabbat, but is simply getting ready for the next day? What if he just likes picking up sticks? Ultimately, God clarifies the law. The man shall surely be put to death, which is the same punishment as the punishment for kindling a fire on Shabbat. The sentence is severe, to be sure, but let's put that aside to note what the passage is really trying to communicate. God regards the act of gathering wood on Shabbat as tantamount to igniting a flame on the seventh day. 
In other words, merely preparing to perform an act that is forbidden on Shabbat, even if the preparation is intended for something after the conclusion of Shabbat, is considered the same as performing the prohibited act itself. The fact that the Torah equates preparing to do forbidden labor on Shabbat with committing the prohibited deed itself means from a biblical perspective that Shabbat must be observed for its own sake. Once Shabbat begins, we must set aside old business, refrain from engaging in any new labor, and even forego preparing for that which is beyond Shabbat. Put simply, Shabbat must be its own thing. A day apart, distinct, separate, sacred. A day that exists for its own sake. This way of understanding Shabbat may strike many of us as countercultural. As Americans, we're conditioned to denigrate uh, idleness and prize productivity. We tend to think of and justify the time we spend not at work, like weekends, holidays, vacations, self-care, even sick days, family leave, and sleep as means to an end, necessities for optimal productivity. Perhaps this is why we Americans frequently work on weekends and holidays, receive significantly less vacation time, sick days, and paid family leave than do citizens of similar nations, and even often pride ourselves in sleeping as little as possible. We're taught from an early age that our dignity derives from hard work. I know I was. As a result, we wear busyness as a badge of honor, boast about how tired we constantly are, and celebrate productivity, professional accomplishment, and material acquisition above all else. Consequently, we're inclined to understand an institution like Shabbat from the same perspective, arguing that the Torah must mandate a day of rest each week only for the purposes of recharging for the week ahead. Without taking time to recoup our strength, the thinking goes, even from contemporary Shabbat apologists, we risk producing diminishing returns and burning out more quickly. Having a regular day of rest, on the other hand, enables us to work harder during the work week, and moreover, to remain at our labors for more years of our lives. Explaining Shabbat as a pragmatic strategy for ensuring a healthy and stable workforce is not new. When Roman critics regarded the institution of the Sabbath as an example of Jewish laziness, Philo, the spokesperson of the Jewish community of Alexandria, Egypt, argued that the object of Shabbat was, quote, to give people relaxation from continuous and unending toil in order to send them out renewed to their old activities. For a breathing spell enables people to collect their strength with a stronger force behind them to undertake promptly and patiently each of the tasks set before them. In other words, Philo defended Shabbat by saying that its purpose was to make a person more productive, to regain strength for the work of the week ahead. I must admit that I am frequently guilty of thinking about Shabbat in these terms. For example, I once had a girlfriend during my college years who I'll call Sarah 
to protect her identity. Sarah was a real go-getter, smart, ambitious, driven, and incredibly hardworking. Now, by that time in my life, I was Shomer Shabbat. But Sarah, on the other hand, was decidedly not traditionally observant. Spoiler alert, the relationship didn't last very long. In any case, I remember one Friday afternoon as I was busy preparing for Shabbat, Sarah said to me with maximum incredulity, I really don't know how you're able to spend a whole day off the grid and away from your work. And I replied, that's funny. I don't know how you aren't able to do it. My point was that having a dedicated day of rest made me more focused and productive in the week ahead. And I couldn't understand how she was seemingly able to work nonstop with no breaks. However, it strikes me as I think back on it that both of us were actually thinking about Shabbat from the same perspective. That rest is only valuable as a means of obtaining, of attaining optimal productivity. To this day, I find that I often explain or justify Shabbat in similar terms. I'm certain I've made comparable claims from this very bima. Well, not this very bima, but other bimas that I've been on. And just recently, because it's the first time I've been on this people, and just recently in my letter to the congregation about my sabbatical that you may have read, I claimed that Shabbat is intended to be, quote, purposeful and restorative respite, a time for rest following a period of hard work that exists so that we can return to work with full spiritual, emotional, and physical vigor. When I wrote those words, I wasn't being disingenuous. From the moment I first considered taking a sabbatical, which, as the term suggests, is closely related to the concept of Shabbat, I justified it to myself and presented it to our congregation's leadership as an opportunity to disengage from day-to-day responsibilities so I could focus on other work, a book project or two that I had been dreaming about for some time, and beginning to work on the advanced degree I'll be pursuing part-time over the next few years. Having the spaciousness to engage in these pursuits, I argued, would enable me to be a better rabbi for our congregation when I returned. However, after a recent conversation with a Christian colleague, I started thinking about my sabbatical in an altogether different way. The other week, I was telling my friend, Reverend Jim Somerville, about my sabbatical plans. And after listening listening to me list all the things I was planning to do, all I was hoping I would accomplish during this time, he replied with a mix of consternation and compassion. That all sounds great, Michael, he said, but this is Shabbat we're talking about. What are you doing for your nefesh? Reverend Somerville invoked the Hebrew word for soul, specifically to remind me that the point of Shabbat is not increased productivity. The point of Shabbat is the soul, reclaiming and nurturing our most essential selves. Many of us, myself included, have a deeply ingrained, perhaps pathological need to uh, to need to feel and be recognized as optimally productive, as though our worth depends on our work. 
From the Torah's perspective, however, our value as human beings derives not from our productivity, but rather from our godly spirit, from the fact that each of us is created in the divine image. In other words, we are fundamentally worthy. Work does not endow us with dignity. We are inherently, equally, and infinitely dignified. There's nothing we must do, indeed nothing we can do, to prove or magnify our worth. Therefore, our tradition insists that Shabbat is not for the purpose of productivity. Rather, quite the contrary, labor is the means toward an end. As Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel argues in The Sabbath, his stirring love letter to Shabbat, we work for the sake of rest, not the other way around. In Heschel's words, the Sabbath is not for the sake of the weekdays. The weekdays are for the sake of the Sabbath. Shabbat, in this sense, is about ceasing our pursuits to remind us that we actually need not pursue. It beckons us to remember who and what we truly are. In Heschel's words, Shabbat exists in order for us to abandon our plebeian pursuits and reclaim our authentic state in which we may partake of a blessedness in which we are what we are, regardless of whether we are learned or not, of whether our career is a success or a failure. Heschel describes this kind of perfect rest as an art, and I would argue that it is indeed an increasingly lost art. I can say that personally, refraining from productive work on Shabbat has grown more challenging in, over the years. Some of that is invariably due to my chosen profession. Don't get me wrong, I cherish and am extremely fulfilled by the work I, I do. Getting to be a rabbi is an extraordinary blessing, a great privilege. Yet as the spiritual leader of a congregation, it's hard to claim that my activities on Shabbat, such as leading services and teaching Torah, while perhaps not technically violating the letter of the law, do not in some way undermine its spirit. The pandemic has only exacerbated this challenge. Adapting to the moment required the use of technology I would have previously considered to be off limits. And while I don't regret that we found ways to safely and meaningfully keep our community connected to each other and God during this difficult time, I have to admit that once the electronic devices are on, and being used for one purpose, I found it harder and harder to turn them off and avoid using them for other less Sabbath appropriate purposes. I know I'm not alone. As my rabbi and teacher Art Green observed, all those labor-saving devices, all those prepackaged foods and household gadgets that were, that were supposed to save us so much time seem to have freed us up merely to work harder than ever, to answer messages ever faster, to squeeze more productivity out of each minute of our lives. With each passing year, it feels as though the pressures on our time, the demand for us to be constantly at work and immediately responsive, a sense that if we are not keeping up, we are falling behind, are all growing exponentially. Is it any wonder that burnout has become so pervasive, that our society is in the throes 
of a widespread mental health crisis. The persistent push to produce is harming us and our entire civilization, mind, body, and soul. We desperately need Shabbat, now more than ever, a radical reclamation of our inherent and equal dignity, a worth that derives not from what we do or from how much we achieve, but rather from who we fundamentally are. Can we rediscover the lost art of perfect rest, respite not only from the constant toil itself, but also from our constant urge to toil? Can we embrace an opportunity not only to stop working, but also to stop even preparing for work? Can we reclaim ourselves from a culture that tells us our work determines our worth? Shabbat is the way, a day in which we not only cease productive labor, but also, as we learn from the story of the wood gatherer in this week's Parsha, cease even laboring to be productive. A day that is not preparation for something else, but rather a day that is sacred simply because it exists, reminding us that we too are sacred simply because we exist. I may yet do some of the things I had originally envisioned doing during my sabbatical, studying dreaming, writing. But if I do any of those activities, I will strive now to engage in them, not because I feel the need to be productive, but rather because they affirm and nourish my soul. More importantly, I'm hopeful that the coming months will be an opportunity for me to learn and relearn the lost art of perfect rest, to rededicate myself to the essence of Shabbat, to embrace Shabbat for Shabbat's sake. I'm extremely grateful to our holy community for enabling me to receive anew the godly gift of Shabbat. And I'm hopeful that in my taking this time, you will feel inspired and empowered to dedicate whatever time you can for the rejuvenating rest we all need and that the source of life requires. Wishing you all an extended Shabbat Shalom. This has been the TBE Richmond Podcast. Once again, I'm Rabbi Michael Knopf. On behalf of all of us here at Temple Bethel in Richmond, Virginia, thanks for listening. I hope this episode was uplifting and enriching. If you haven't already, please subscribe to this feed wherever you listen to podcasts so you'll never miss an episode. Please rate and review us so others will have an easier time joining the conversation. Our theme music is composed and produced by Stephen Frost. Learn more about our dynamic, warm, and passionate congregation affiliated with the United Synagogue of Conservative Judaism at www.bethelrichmond.org. Until next time, shalom y'all.